On today's show, we're joined by Hayley Harrison. Hayley is the Coach Education Officer for Sport Ireland Coaching with responsibility for coach development. In her spare time, she's a high-performance athletics coach with a stable of household names among her athletes, many of whom have competed at the World Championships and Olympic Games. Today, Hayley talks about how being fair is so important while working in a team environment. She talks about how community of practices are vital for developing coaches and how to work on yourself as a coach. Some great insights today from Hayley. I really hope you enjoy. Okay, today we're joined by Hayley Harrison. Hayley, you're very welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Um, you're probably best known as an athletics coach with, with the likes of Tom Barr and, and, and such. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. But I'm really interested in the role you have with Sport Ireland Coaching in that you're responsible for national coach development programs in terms of grassroots and stuff like that throughout the country. But also uh, looking at the high performance coach support program that you guys are involved with. So I think it's fascinating the two worlds there and I'd like to start off there if it's okay and maybe you could explain a little bit of the role that you do. Um, well thank you for having me on for a start it's a it's a real privilege so thank you for that. Um, when you said people may know me more as an Olympic coach that that makes me laugh because some people do and some people have no idea that I, I coach at that level and um, some people only know me for my job so um, yeah it, it makes me smile. Um, but yeah, my, my job from the outset is, is something that I absolutely love. So I work with Sport Island Coaching and my official job title is Coach Education Development Officer. But within that role, um, I've got two main responsibilities. My first one is in relation to the Coach Developer Programme. So basically the, the programme that trains people how to work with coaches, how to train them on courses and how to um, provide coach support for those coaches at, at all levels. <clears throat> and my second role is I'm also in charge of the high performance coach support unit. So those are my two um, main jobs. They take up pretty much all of my time. Um, and then there's just two national governing bodies that I look after as well. Um, one is the GEA in terms of its coach education programs. And the second one is Athletics Island. So I used to look after a lot more, but since we rejigged our roles a little bit, those are the two that I'll look after. But a lot of the time on the coach developer work and um, a little bit less on the high performance coach support. And those are my two jobs. Okay, well, it sounds like you're not busy at all. Though. Uh, not at all. <laughs> um, no, like that's it's a fascinating CV you have. So uh, maybe we touch on um, the sort of the coach development programs that you talk about. I suppose I'm talking more about the grassroots, maybe ones first and sort of that basic ones. Um, and then we might go through then into the more high performance stuff later on. Okay, so the coach developer program um, many years ago, it used to be classed as the tutor program. So we've been running it. We used to be called the National Coaching and Training Centre, so the NCTC. Then we became Coaching Ireland, and then we became part of the Sports Council, and now we're all called Sport Ireland. So our unit is Sport Ireland Coaching. <clears throat> so the tutor program, as it used to be called, literally trained people in how to deliver effective coach education programs. So that's in, in GEA terms, that's your, your award ones, your foundation awards, so foundation award one and award two. And across the other sports, anything from introduction to coaching, which quite often is just an introduction to the sport that people are in, all the way through up to your high performance coaching. And the tutors were trained in how to deliver those range of courses. 
Um, in recent years, a, a lot of the research would show that the courses are still great. They, they really are. They provide a lot of information, but that's not where the coaches actually learn to become really good coaches. They're just really good golden nuggets, and we don't want to lose that. But we have started to look into different ways in which coaches can learn their trade, learn how to get better, and to become really good at whatever it is that they're coaching. So some of them might want to be specialists in coaching children. Some might want to be specialists in a particular sport. So it really does cover the full range. So the coach developer courses that we have now, um, and in the adventure sports, we've had them for the last nine years. And in the, the if you want to call it the non-adventure sports, we've had them the last five years. And, and they're split into two main areas. One is still about how we deliver coach education courses, but the other, oh, well, it's about equal at the moment, but it will be, I think, moving into a, a bigger percentage is how we can train people in offering coach support. So how do we support coaches in the field? So if it's a camogie coach, when they're at the pitch in their club, how can a coach developer help them progress and get better at, at coaching? And so that's what the coach developer courses are all about. Um, so you, you might get some people who may only deliver courses and that's fine. You may get people that we train who only work in the coach support element. And again, that's fine. So each NGB really does need to think about how they want to use their coach developers to really help the coaches that they have in their NGB. So it's it's a fascinating field. I, I absolutely love it. Um, the hours are not great because it's a lot of weekends and evening work, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by coaching. I'm passionate about coaching. And, and this job allows me to work with the pe people who are going to go out into their sports and just hopefully inspire coaches to become better. And it's, I love it. That's, you can tell that the enthusiasm and passion is coming through. So I just want to touch on something you mentioned. So when you talk about helping coaches to get better, how, let's say, can you maybe give us a couple of uh, practical examples of, of something that you guys do to try and do that? So, for example, is it stuff that you're working on them at how to demonstrate skills better or in, in their particular sport? Or are you looking at maybe the softer skills? So how can they improve their communication or their relationship building with their athletes or whatever it may be? Um, anything and everything is the honest truth to that. But they, in terms of the coach developer course, it's about training people in the skills. So when they're observing a coach, what are they seeing? What are they looking at that will trigger something in their mind to help that coach get better? So, so say if I was a, a novice coach and I'm only just in the door, so I've been coaching a few weeks and a coach developer comes along, then the things that I might need might be how to demonstrate might be about how I need to communicate with the people that I'm coaching with. Maybe about um, how does the club work? Where does the coach fit in? Those are things that will be really useful to me as a novice coach. Um, if you've got somebody who's been coaching a number of years, but not really progressed, then it might be things like 
can you can we organize for for shadowing opportunities and um, maybe coaches in the same sport but in a different county or a different part of the different part of the country maybe a different sport um, as you go up in terms of um, experience it might be shadowing a coach in, in a different country um, it might be things like um, resource provision um, information provision oh by the way do you know that there's a, a conference going on in in Dublin two weeks on Friday it might be interest to you um, or things like oh there's a webinar here it's, so it, it's there's a massive gambit really of, of how we might support the coaches. So in terms of my job training the coach developers, it's training them in the skills of how they can recognize what coaches might need to help them progress. Yeah, that's, that's really, really, really interesting. And I think I'm delighted you said it depends when you answer that question because um, I think some people get too much caught up on maybe one or the other and the more and more people I talk to on this or the more uh, research I do myself you find that it's, it's it's that mix and it's sort of unique and individual to to an in, to, a, uh, to each individual coach I suppose in their terms of how it fits with their own philosophy or whatever you want to call it and how they actually interact yeah. with their players so there is part of how you're developing coaches uh, who go out then to develop more coaches and you have this sort of uh, ripple effect hopefully around the country. Talk to me then about the high performance end of it and how does that work? Is it a similar structure or is it totally different? Um, it's not totally different. Um, the high performance coaching end of stuff there, I don't know how many high performance coaches you've been speaking to on these podcasts but they tend to be quite uh, a selfish bunch. They can be absolutely amazing people and, and quite often they are, but they're not always the best at sharing. And they're pretty much always not the best at sharing um, things where they want to hold an edge. And that's, that's not a criticism of them. I'm a high performance coach myself. So what I'm trying to do is to set up um, a kind of network which will allow high performance coaches to still get the benefit of other people's knowledge, skills, um, experience and advice, but not that's going to um, be detrimental to, to other people and other things in their own setup. So um, at the moment, it's a relatively small group that I have, so I'm certainly not managing to reach everybody and every sport um, but we are hoping that there'll be more personnel coming into that high performance coach support structure um, and when when they do my my hope and plan is that i will work with coach developers who have a background in high performance and i'm going to try and bring all of that group together so that they can offer support as a group but to different high performance coaches in different sports. Um, yeah, it sounds, so that's my plan. It, no, it sounds great. Um, it's, it's nearly like a, a community of practice across sports then in terms of coaches that reach a certain level to, to talk to each other, to, um, I suppose, not mentor, but to share their insights in terms of what maybe worked for them. And I know you said that there may be some who are re reluctant to share, but is that what you're trying to get towards? Yeah. That, that from what I know of 
high performance and high performing coaches, um, not just in this country, but across the world, is that what makes them amazing is their ability to take knowledge, skills and experience and apply it to the people that they are working with. And that's what makes them extraordinary coaches. That's what, that's what makes them have the ability to get that extra centimeter, that extra millimeter, that extra fraction of a second out of somebody that nobody else can. So it's really not necessarily about something that's very sports specific. It's about potentially a concept that somebody else has in a different sport, usually from a different sport, I have to say, that they can take and adapt and amend to their sport and the people that they work with. And that's what makes them amazing. And that's what I'm trying to assist and, and help, basically. Yeah, no, I think it's 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 very cool what you're trying to do. Um, you mentioned some are reluctant to share. Do you find much resistance? And is it like, is it just a particular sport or is there a cohort of people who just are, are reluctant? To, and I'm not asking you to name any names or anything. But I don't, <laughs> want, I I don't want you to get you in trouble. Um, no, I'm just conscious. Uh, like, I totally get it um, that people well, hang on. This is working for me. I don't want to be telling everyone what I do because then other teams may catch up or other athletes may catch up or whatever it may be. So I'm just curious on that part. I, this is a, a purely personal opinion, so nothing scientific about it. I think the ones who are the very best, and I mean the very best at what they do, have no problem in sharing. It's the ones who are knocking on the door, the ones who either um, are expecting to be the best, but are not yet, um, think they are the best but are not yet who think they have something magical that they don't want anyone to have um and i've also known a lot of coaches who have been in that bracket and then when they do step up a little bit they're then very willing to share so i think for, there's there's definitely a group who don't want to share but i would say that that group are typically ones who will get better and will share in the future but maybe just not now okay it's interesting that the, the higher they achieve the more willing they are to share i remember um stuart lancaster uh, said something before he was he was really really open with what he was talking about and someone actually asked him in the q a how come you're sharing so much and he turned around and said well if i share it forces me to get better uh, it forces me to to drive on and to push on and not get complacent and stuff. I just thought that was a fascinating insight into into that sort of level of performance. The um, the in in twenty sixteen, um, one of the athletes that I coach um, did quite well at the Olympic Games, and um, a lot of questions came back about like what did I do with him? What what made it special? You know. You know, I, I don't expect you to tell us, but and I said, oh, you can have my program. It's not a problem. And and they were kind of like, what? You, you, you're going to give me your program? And I said, yeah, you can have the program. I said, but the program isn't what makes it work. You know, and a lot of people were fascinated with the fact that I was willing to give a program out. But from my point of view, it's not the program that makes the difference. It's what you do with it and what the athletes and players do with it. 
So that's the important bit. It's not the bit that's on paper. <clears throat> so I think different sports obviously have, have, have different things that they do and different concepts, but within the sport of athletics, uh, there is nothing that, that I do that I won't share with anybody because no one else is coaching the athletes that I do. So it doesn't make any difference from my point of yeah, view. Yeah, again, it's very admirable. And um, you may be uh, plagued now with a deluge of emails looking for programs if anyone's listening to this, <laughs> now, any uh, aspiring athletics coaches. So um, we'll jump into athletics now. So you've been involved coaching athletics for an awful long time. Um, you you mentioned there that uh, you, you've coached in the Olympics and some of your athletes have gone to the Olympics. and. I know Thomas Barr is probably one of your more higher profile athletes at the moment. Um, yeah. Could you maybe touch on um, the whole, we come back to the coaching side of it in, in a second, but I'm really interested in the whole Olympic experience in terms of how do you keep someone on an even keel and keep them motivated, not motivated, but just keep them nice and calm and getting ready for, because it's such a, a, a tough sport that you have to perform in that, like let's say minute or whatever it, it might be. And if you, you're building for four years towards that. So I'm really interested in that. Um, it, it does vary on the individual. <clears throat> it, it very much does. Um, the Tom, in many respects, is a dream to coach um, on the basis that we, we don't get overly excited about almost anything, which some people might be critical of me for, but on the basis that I do my best to get an athlete ready and I get the athletes to try and be calm about what they're going to be doing. So yes, they need to perform at their absolute best, but getting too excited and, and too hyped up over it will almost certainly have a detrimental effect. It's a very fine line. So. We have always just gone on the basis that you do your very best and sometimes your very best could be the best in the world. Sometimes your very best might be the best within your own four walls. And in many respects, to me, that doesn't matter. What matters is that it's your best. And I think if you think of it in those terms, the, the, the platform that you're on, whether it's an Olympic final or trying to beat your brother or sister to the end of the corridor doesn't matter yeah so you're you're nearly uh turning it inward and, and and racing yourself no matter what the stage the thing about athletics is you could be amazing but if three more people are more amazing than you you're not going to get a medal so it's there's no point in trying to worry about other people you can't do anything about them the only person you can do something about is yourself so that's what we work on we work on trying to make every person that we coach as good as they can be but worrying about somebody else is pointless absolutely pointless you can you can do a bit of homework certainly in the in the 400 meter hurdles you know I would typically do all the homework in terms of people who might be in a race with, with, with Tom. Are they, are, do they fall over? Are they, you know, have they got wayward arms? Have they got, are they going to go out strong? So I, I'll do all that homework. But it's not for Tom to worry about. 
All he has to worry about is executing his rate to the best of his ability. Um, and that's what we work on. You can, you can run a massive personal best. You can be set like in Olympics, Tom ran a massive personal best. You know, the time that he ran in Rio would have got a medal at the last eight out of nine Olympic games. But on that occasion, it didn't because three people ran faster. And that's, that's the way it is. When people run faster than somebody else, they come higher up the pecking order. So worrying about other people is not something that, that as coaches do, and it's not something that we want the athletes to worry about either. Because if, some, if they run really well and somebody else runs better when they're fair play to them, yeah, and in that way, it's it's such a cruel sport that there's only three medals for for all that work that goes into it. Um, I'm curious around the challenges that uh, uh, being an athletics coach uh, throws up. So, um, my background is in GEA coaching. Um, so I have a team of twenty twenty five people that I'm looking after, and we're all going towards the one goal, etc. Um, you could have uh, various different athletes at different stages of their career, uh, developing uh, high performance Olympians, um, and you sort of maybe train maybe within a team environment, but it's an individual sport in terms of how people actually perform in competition. I'm just curious at the, the dynamic of that. How does that work or what challenges does that throw up? And I know I'm, there's a load, load in that question, but I'm just really interested in it. Okay, so basically as a squad, we have what we class as our core values. Um, and there's, there's a list of them and anybody who is coming to join the squad needs to read them carefully and be willing to accept them. So in those core values, um, the, the first one is that you are willing to put 100% effort of whatever you have on any given day. And as coaches, we'll do the same. And, and the reason that's the first one is because if somebody gives 100% effort of whatever they have on that day, no one can ask any more. And that's the first core value that we have. Bearing in mind that sometimes we have bad days at work, sometimes we don't feel well. And 100% of what we have on that day might be only 50% of what we have another day. But 100% on any given day and if everyone's prepared to put that in, that's the basis of the squad. And from that point of view, it doesn't matter whether you're trying to get to a, a monster championships or whether you're trying to get to Olympics, because the ethic is the same. In terms of that, that's the ethic that runs through the entire squad. The second one is that everybody has something to offer the squad, irrespective of your ability. So we've got um one guy at the moment whose background is american football so as you can imagine he's not the size of a typical world-class sprinter hurdler or jumper but what he brings to the squad is amazing he brings a work ethic he brings fun he brings so much to the squad that that he's just such an integral part. Um, and I think Tom would tell you the same, that without this guy, um, the squad is not the same. So everybody brings something. 
Um, and everybody has something to give and everybody should be willing to take something. And, and that's the second of our core values. Be willing to give the best you have and be willing to take. Um, and again, I think that therefore runs across all, all disciplines of, of athletics that we coach. So that sprints, jumps and hurdles. And it runs across all abilities because somebody who comes to training who is a fighter and will not give up, that, that is just such an amazing person to have in the squad. And then you've got the ones who are just phenomenally quick. And they're amazing to have in the squad because to see somebody running really quick is, is amazing. And I, after all these years, and I've been coaching 30 odd years, I still get a real buzz out of seeing somebody run quick or for the hurdlers when they sight the hurdle well and they take off and they land and it's beautiful. There's something magical in that. So in answer to your question, I think it's about making sure that there's, we have no prima donnas, everybody's treated the same. The only time that anybody is treated slightly differently is if they're coming up to a major championship in those final couple of weeks, we might ask somebody to do a session to help them in that final preparation for a major championship. But any other time of the year, everybody's treated the same, no prima donnas, doesn't matter who you are, what you've achieved, um, whether you're just in the door or you've been with us 10 years. Um, and I think that kind of level playing field um, has always worked well in our squad um, and always having some more what I would call senior squad members. So people who've been with us for five or more years, um, they almost run the squad in terms of behavior and attitude. And we've always felt that it worked well. Yeah, no. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah, you gave me loads there. Um, I really like the the um the the sort of the i suppose when people think athletics they may not think of a team or a squad they, they don't, all they see is the people who are not uh so let's say for example myself who's not uh, hugely up to speed on athletics but uh, we see the performance that's on tv or the performance in the under the lights in the stadium whereas we don't think about that team or that squad that's behind that whereas th i love that example you give that the guy coming in gives that energy and that drive and makes things fun that's so important in terms of keeping people motivated and, and actually wanting to come to their se training sessions and stuff like that. So that's a really, really good insight. Is it a case um, where it's, it's, it sometimes is challenging as a coach? And now again, I'm, I'm totally conscious that you have 30 years odd experience in this, but I'm trying to think of maybe someone who doesn't have that, who's just on their athletics coaching journey, maybe at, towards the beginning, is there a challenge in, the, in in handling maybe different personalities within that team or squad environment? And would you have any practical tips that they could potentially use? I, th I think there's always challenges. Um, I don't think that matters how long you've been coaching um, or how short you've been coaching or what you coach or what level you coach. I think there's always challenges and there's challenges um, in, in two respects, I think there's challenges for us as coaches as from, from our own point of view, and there's challenges in relation to the people that we coach. Um, and for years, 
I, I was only ever thinking about the people that I coach and not really looking at myself to sort of say, right, okay, what are, what are my challenges? What, what do I need to get better at in terms of my own skills and not just about my skills to help others? So I think having more than one person is a really good thing to do. Um, we did a little bit of what I would call market research rather than, than proper research. Um, last year when I was asked what is the ideal coaching scenario and I was about to jump in and give my own thoughts and I thought actually no this is the perfect time to actually go and find out so I contacted just just 20 people 20 of the best coaches that I know from around the world um, in 18 different sports um, and what came back in terms of coaching um, excellent scenarios were, were, th were, th were three elements. One was one coach who almost like knows everything about the people that they coach and the environments that they're in and is constantly learning from other people. And the reason that's a good scenario was because the coach knows everything about the people that they're working with. The second one that came up was um, still one coach who was the head coach, but they had a number of coaches who worked with them, but the head coach knew everything that the, the other coaches were doing. And that was seen as almost like equivalent to the one person who knows everything this other one was the was the other one that was literally equal in terms of what people thought was the perfect coaching scenario mm -hmm. but that one head coach needed to know everything that was going on with their other coaches and um, they needed constant feedback and if possible that head coach would be at as many coaching sessions as people working with so the example, say, might be um, a rugby coach. So you've got the head coach, but you've got a backs coach, you've got um, a forwards coach, you've got line-out coaches, you've got all of those different types of coaches, but the head coach would be at all of these ones. So the head coach was not an expert in each of these, but would, would be at them. And those two were seen as roughly equal in terms of the perfect coaching scenario. The third one that came up was almost what you might call almost like satellite kind of coaching where you're bringing experts in, but those experts work with other, other teams. Um, and that was brought up, but then people started saying that that didn't really work that well, that if you were bringing experts in, they really would want them to stay within that particular team or group environment and and that was what they were working on so that was that was fascinating to me to see that even in days now where typically you've got lots of coaches there was still that one potential coach who was everything to everybody from my point of view I would say on that, that having another person there as a coaching partner or buddy um, 
works better. Certainly works better for, for me. I, I coach with my husband, Drew. Um, and things that he's really good at, maybe I'm not as good at and vice versa. Um, some of the softer skills, things that I might see that he doesn't. Um, but we have the same coaching philosophy. We, we work to the same goals. Um, so that's a very long way winded answer to your question. But um, I think having somebody to work with who is different from you, but has the same ultimate goals, I think will work well for coaches, whether they're starting off or whether at the upper end. Um, but the research that I did, I say, came up with the two different kind of scenarios as the perfect ones, which was the one person who knew everything and everybody, but continued to learn. And the other one was the head coach with different coaches under them, but they knew everything that was going on. Yeah, no, it's not, it might be long winded, but there's loads in it there, Hayley, and it's really good. Um, I think, again, if you look at the top, top coaches, these are the people who are not afraid to delegate. They're not afraid to empower their their players, but also their their other coaches that are involved with them. Um, and I think that that's that takes maybe a level of courage to to actually to do that. Um, and I know certainly when I was coaching years and years ago, I would maybe wouldn't have done that. Uh, I'm certainly trying to do it more now in my own coaching, but certainly would have been. Oh no, I'll just do it because you'd nearly be a sense of, of sure I'm the only one who can do that right if that makes sense to you and I think what you're talking about there is a great message for people listening that it's okay to be asking for help it's okay to be trying to get better and and maybe you aren't an expert in something but if you can get someone in that can complement that expertise I think that's a, a really really good uh place to be um Hedy, you're also a master trainer with the International Council for Coaching Excellence, okay? And I know that's a sort of a, a worldwide organization. So I'd like to, one, could you give us a little bit of background about that organization? And two, could you let us know where where the sort of the status of coaching in Ireland sits with, with, within that? Because I think it's a unique perspective that you'll have. Okay, so the International Council for Coaching Excellence um, has, has been around for, for quite some time. Um, the other organization that's, it's not quite a sister organization, but feeds into that is the European Coaching Council. And, and what these organizations try to do is to try to provide help and assistance to coaches around the world in all sports um, in a very broad kind of sense. So. Typically what they do is they, they come up with projects, um, things that they think or things that they've been asked to do that will help coaches around the world. So the, the bit that I'm involved in with the International Council um, is, is twofold. One, I'm, I'm a master trainer in terms of I train coach developers around the world on behalf of the International Council. So last year, I delivered um, things in Singapore um, and in Tokyo. Um, and I was meant to be in Israel this year, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I was also meant to be in Brazil and I don't think that's going to happen, but um, maybe those will happen next year. Um, and, and they're fascinating because 
even though we're a small country, we, we are well known throughout the world for having an excellent coach education program. Um, it's very well established. Um, I say we started in nine, back in 1992. Um, and I think sometimes because we're a small country, we think that maybe we're just not even known by many countries. But in the coach education world and the coach developer world, we are right up there. Um, and sometimes I think people find that hard to believe in Ireland where we're not always the best at, at saying how good we are at things. But this is an area that we, we are well known for. Um, and it's an absolute privilege to work for the International Council and effectively delivering things that I've devised for, for an, an Irish um, market as such. And other than a few tweaks, I'm delivering that in, a, in an international um, setting, which is amazing, really. Um, so that's, that's one side that I'm doing. And then the, the other side um, that I'm, I'm part of is I'm part of a review, a research and review panel. So um, when projects come into the International Council, um, I'm on a group that will look to see whether it's something that we think is possibly worth doing from an international perspective. Um, so yeah, so that's quite fun. Um, but yeah, I think from from that point of view, until I became involved with them. Great to hear that Ireland is actually uh, seen as, as, as doing well or, or a leading light in it, because I think you're dead right in, in, in Ireland. We're very, very um, slow to acknowledge the coaching, let's say, not as a profession, but just in general, the concept of coaching, it's, it's, it's low down the ladder, whereas I think it's getting better. But uh, I think things like that, seeing that that recognition coming from outside is um, it, it's it's just good to see. And it's it, it, I think it'll give um, a bit of a boost to uh, an affirmation maybe to a lot of the coaches within Ireland that we are pretty good at what we're doing. We're not perfect and there's loads to improve on, but, but we're getting there. Um, I think the, the, the thing about it is for <clears throat> for a lot of countries, there are far more paid professional coaches than we have in Ireland. <clears throat> so lots of countries still have volunteer coaches, but we are heavily reliant on volunteer coaches. So the training that we provide to coach developers and that coach developers provide to coaches is the same here as it is in other countries, but in other countries, that training relates to, to somebody's professional job as a coach. And I think that's where we're, we're lacking a little bit because, because it's not a profession yet. And I would say yet, because I think hopefully it, it will become one. Um, it's somehow not seen as, as though you're very good. If, you, if it's not a profession and you're not getting paid for it, well, then you're not very good. And that's just not the case. We have some phenomenally good coaches in this country. But because it's not their profession, because they're, they have all the jobs, as, as I do, and as you do, um, somehow it's just not seen as though we're very good. And it's, it's just the perception is wrong. Um, and I, unfortunately, I think until it becomes a profession, a paid profession, where you can say with your head held high, I'm a coach, 
I'm, I'm a camogie coach, I'm a rugby coach, I'm an athletics coach, I'm a swimming coach. And it's be seen as an actual job that you have trained for and that you are have a, a, an experience and an excellence in. Um, until we get to that point, coaching in this country just isn't given the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, look, Heidi, you've been fantastic with your time. Um, we have three questions that we ask everyone on the show. Um, so I'm going to jump into them. What does the term successful coach mean to you? Oh, um, I, I, I see people who coach children and they, I would say they are phenomenally successful because they keep children interested and involved and keep them in sport and keep them coming back week on week. So they're successful. I think coaches who bring people back from injury or from low points in their life and get them back to what they were and even better. Again, phenomenally successful coaches. But for me personally, I think a successful coach is a coach who sees things in their athletes and players that other people don't see. And they can do things with their players and athletes that other people just don't. So they see things and they do things that other people just can't do. And I think for me personally, that is a highly successful That's a really nice way of summing it up. Um, your best resource, book, podcast, person to listen to, anything at all that you can think of, best resource you could recommend to coaches listening? Okay. For, for me, I'm not really a book person. Um, I'm a people person. So I would say... I know it sounds very broad, but people who can help you get better are the biggest and best resource that any of us can go to. But pick your people carefully. So if, if you're a novice coach, go and find somebody who's a bit better. If you're an experienced coach, go and find somebody who can do something that you can't yet. So find people who can help you just get that one step further. Not a massive jump further, just that one step further. Um, so it's people for me. Yeah, it touches in what you said earlier on in terms of the community of practice and mentoring and stuff like that. So I think that's that ties in nicely. Um, and the last question, top tip for a developing coach. And I know you've given us absolutely loads already, but maybe... <laughs> <laughs> maybe in way of summation or, or what your top tip would be my top tip is ask questions um and the reason i say that is because when you look at a book you're only reading what somebody else's environment is and you're reading about their environment what you want to know about is helps for the environment that you're in so ask questions so a question that I like people to ask me is, why are you doing that? What benefit are you going to get by doing that with that person? And I think those kind of questions will make any coach, no matter how experienced you are, will help you get better. Even if when you get an answer, you think to yourself, I don't like that answer because X, Y, and Z then 
the reason that you asked the question, you've managed to come up with an answer yourself. So my top tip is ask questions. Oh, yeah. and, and I just realized that I never asked you why once throughout the whole uh, chat today. Um, listen, Hayley, uh, it's been fantastic having you on. You've been so good with your time. Um, that's loads of takeaways for people to take today. Um, I love the, the sense of fairness you talk about when, when dealing with a, a team or a squad and treating everyone the same. The community of practice that you touched on in terms of developing coaches, I think that's really, really important. The big takeaway for me was uh, working on yourself. Uh, both for athletes and for coaches i think that's such a simple thing to remember to work on yourself all the time to ask for help try and get a mentor if you can the right mentor as you did say and ask questions i think uh, anyone taking if they take one thing away today that the, the to have the courage to ask those questions i think is is, is brilliant so thanks a million Haley.